This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me on yet another episode today. Today, we're talking about something that uh, I had one particular client ask me about because I I like to ask my listeners and my clients for topics that they just want to hear me discuss because they're really important to them. And this particular person was asking about how they can best recover or enhance their recovery especially after multiple active days. And the reason that she was asking about this is because she and her husband do tend to go on multiple day adventures, which is fantastic. And I know a lot of my listeners like you do the same as well. And in fact, uh, the Canva image that my assistant and I came up with for this particular podcast episode is taken from a time that I was in Spain uh, with some friends and we were there for about a week. This was a few years ago. It was actually my first vacation solo without my partner after I had left corporate America. And I was doing this bike trip, hadn't actually trained for it at all. So I knew going into it, I was like, ah, it's going to be a mental thing because I'm really going to be exhausted. Oddly enough, and I did this on purpose, I picked that photo on purpose. I, I was 100% bonking in that photo. And the reason for that is because I just wasn't used to multiple day adventures, you know, with uh, 40 to 60 plus miles per day on the bike. Wasn't used to that. But then also I was in a different country. I wasn't, I didn't necessarily have access to the foods that I normally have when I'm stateside or, you know, when I'm here around home. So I was in a different element and I did have the intention, I did have the idea of what I was going to eat at lunch right before that pic was taken. But unfortunately, that cafe that we stopped at randomly, they only had fried potatoes, like AKA fries. And uh, that was not the potatoes bravos that I was aiming for. (laughs) Uh, Because honestly, like fried foods and I were not BFFs. Uh, We just don't get along very well. I do have to limit consumption of them. Um, You know, just it doesn't. It's not because I'm scared of fried foods. No, fuck fuck no. I love fried foods. Fried foods taste amazing. I mean, you're combining basically carbs and fat. Yes, you feed me the carbs and fat, please, because that's AKA also donuts. Donuts are fried carbs and fat. Um, but I'm, I'm tangenting right now. What I'm trying to get around to is that I wasn't adequately fueled. And, you know, I basically had compounded a few days in a row of adventuring on the bike. And I was left pretty much kind of gassed at that point. I was bonking uh, within moments one of my fellow friends that I befriended on that trip, he pulls me over and gives me a (laughs) Coca-Cola. And it was the best damn thing I had ever consumed during a bike ride in my life. I am not exaggerating. Within a few moments, I immediately felt fine. I had the carbs that I was wanting at lunch that I didn't get. Because it, it, uh, the salad that came with the the rest of the potatoes bravas and and protein that I'd ordered, 
was not cutting it. Like salad, come on, that has like five grams of carbs, you know, on a good day. Um, I needed substantial carbohydrates, you know, to replenish uh, my my fuel. So Coca-Cola for the wind. All of that to say that even yours truly here, I have my falters. I will say there's usually, I mean, it's been a few years up until about, uh, maybe it's been like three months now, three months ago, I went into just a basic bike ride and that was the problem. That was the problem with this day a few months ago is that I went into this basic bike ride. It was just a cross country bike ride, pretty easy. It was only going to be like eight to 10 miles, like nothing. Uh, I went in after a long day of work, long day of meetings, minimal lunch. Like I ate enough, but I didn't have my right before my workout or bike ride snack that I normally have, which is a little bit more carb centric, a little bit carb heavier. Um, and it's simpler carbs. So it's generally a little bit sweeter. Oftentimes it could be something as simple as cereal or, you know, mixed with some Greek yogurt or Icelandic yogurt, just something like that, because that's what works for me. Keep in mind what works for me might not work for you. Okay. It's just things that I've found over the years that, that really helped me and actually made me make me feel really good. Um, but I just want to make it clear that even though I'm a coach and I know what the hell I'm doing, there are going to be those occasional days, usually one ride a month or one ride a month, one ride a year, maybe two rides a year where I am just, I have something going on, like it, whether it's a calf cramp or it's, you know, I just under fuel and I'm just trying to let you all know that this is just what happens. All right. Knowledge is power, but you can have all the knowledge in the world and still not implement adequate adequately on the day of your ride. So give yourself a break. You know, hopefully your friends that you're riding with understand that sometimes shit happens and that's fine. Just know that you can then make some changes going forward with your future rides and things like that. But all of that to also say that there are ways and there are three particular ways, three tips that I'm going to give you today on ways that you can help yourself recover adequately when you do have multiple days of activity or adventure. And I'm leaving that definition really loose for you uh, because maybe it's just multiple days of riding in a row. I have some athletes out in California. They ride every day and they usually ride upwards of gosh, close to 50 to 100 miles per day um, because that is the domain in which they train. So they're doing more long distance riding compared to like a cross-country mountain biker that I'm programming for or something like that, okay? So do know that everybody's definition of, you know, adventuring for multiple days in a row, that is going to be different from person to person, athlete to athlete, because it's all subjective based on what your sport is that you that you like to go for, okay? But today I'm, I'm pretty much broadly uh, doing a broad stroke here over m- any type of adventure sports that you might like, all right? So there's three ways that you can enhance your recovery when you're doing multiple active days. And keep in mind that these three tips are meant to be done on the daily. They are not meant to be done after the multiple days are, are done. I mean, they are, but they should be done in interspersed after each day and during each day of activity. Because the thing that you want to avoid is like what I had in Spain. Um, it's that compounding, you know, effect 
of multiple days of writing, maybe drinking a little bit of wine, a little bit more wine than I usually do in the evening because, the, I mean, let's be real, the wine is priced like water in in Spain. And I, I do love wine. I absolutely 100% love wine. Um, so I did partake in plenty of wine and cheese. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fueling how I normally feel. And I knew that going into that particular day, actually, that I bombed. And, uh, but then, you know, fell in love with Coca-Cola. So thanks to everyone on that trip. If you're all listening, you know who you are. (laughs) Much love to everyone, especially, uh, for you all for sacrificing your Coca-Cola. I did buy you some extra Coke, uh, when we got back to New Jersey, but still, think about you fondly every time I have a Coke <laughs> when I'm writing. So three things. First thing, sleep. Have to optimize the hell out of your sleep. Now, if you're doing a bike packing trip and you're sleeping in a tent, you're not really going to have the best sleeping conditions, especially if you're like me and you've grown soft and it's really hard for you to sleep on the ground. Um, I'm just going to go out a minute. I have no, I have no ego to stroke here. I am a softy. I, it is very difficult. I have to be exhausted as hell in order for me to sleep on the ground. And I love camping. I love the concept of camping. I've done plenty of, especially beach camping, you know, growing up in Florida and North Carolina and things like that. But let me just be real. I cannot now at 42, I just, I have a very difficult time with sleeping on the ground. Um, probably would have an easier time sleeping in a in a hammock, but to me, those are just bear burritos. So I have an an insanely unhealthy uh, thought process when it comes to wildlife out in in nature. So I like to be in an enclosed environment, okay? I like to be safe. I like to be in a little cocoon. If you can sleep on the ground, by all means, I high-five you and I commend you. But if you are doing bikepacking trips and everything like that, just try to optimize the hell out of your sleeping pad try to, you know, get your temperature just right. So if you know it's going to be cold, do pack accordingly. Do get those liners that you're going to be wearing. You know, just try to make your sleep environment as welcoming as possible, especially at the end of the day when you've done your adventuring, when you're done with your adventuring. Um, Now, ideally, at least seven hours of sleep is going to be the bare minimum. Now, of course, keep in mind, if you are doing multiple day adventure races, I do understand that sleep is not the priority. You just want to get enough sleep to stay ahead and to stay ahead of your competitors. That is going to be a whole other concept, but I still do want you to optimize your sleep as best as possible. Now, if you're doing multiple day races that do minimize sleep in on purpose, so you can stay ahead of the, of your, you know, your fellow racers, then you're just going to have to actually build up a tolerance to lessened sleep in your training phase. So you're going to probably have to at least once a month spend a weekend or spend a few days in a row where you are getting minimal sleep and you're exercising that, you know, that process. You're 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 kind of coming to learn how you can recover and how you can sleep uh, and function on minimal sleep. For me, I will never do such races just because I am a raging asshole when I do not get enough sleep. Or I am the dumbest person that you will ever meet when I get when I do not get enough sleep. And you know, it's just something that I've come to terms with over the years. Uh my just everything can change. My mood, my demeanor, my you know, thought processes, my oh my god, I can go on and on. 
uh, I'm just not the best human to be around when I have inadequate sleep. You know, there are plenty of times I've done like mountain biking clinics and things like that. If I'm not sleeping in a, in a comfortable environment, man, the next day I am just shot. Um, so all of that to be said, just because that is my story does not mean that that is your story as well. If you can function on, you know, less amount of sleep for a short period of time, then that is fine. That is your story. Stick with it. Still, if you are doing multiple days of adventures, I really do recommend that you try to optimize the hell out of sleep because I think, and I've said this time and time again, this is going to be a running theme in this podcast. If you look at the pyramid of health and fitness and wellness at the bottom of that pyramid for me and to me and all of my clients that I work with and the athletes over the years, the bottom is always going to be sleep and recovery and really stress management, honestly, uh, because I really think that these things go hand in hand. And to optimize sleep, it's going to look different for everyone, but do try to get a minimum of seven hours. If you are doing longer endurance, your body's probably going to need closer to eight to nine hours. How you can get that sleep? Ideally, not alcohol. So don't don't pull my you know Spanish wine drinking at night with cheese. <laughs> routine to help you get sleep during a multiple day adventure. Um, because even though you might think that alcohol is helping you asleep, it's actually not, it, it can, studies have shown time and time again, that it can limit the amount of deep sleep that you're getting, which is the restorative sleep that you're getting. Um, you might have less difficulty getting to sleep and that's because alcohol is a depressant. And I think I even said this in last week's episode or the week before, I can't remember. It's been recently. So if, if I do sound like a broken record, it's on purpose because this is not going to change week to week, you know, unless there's new studies that come out and there's few new studies that come out that show otherwise. Okay. So do keep that in mind. Alcohol will help you fall asleep. Sure. Because it is a depressant, but it's not going to help you stay asleep and help you get that sound sleep that you need. So to optimize your sleep, really get that bedtime routine dialed. Even if you're doing it multiple day adventure, if you're staying in a, in a villa on an Ikea mattress in the Spanish countryside, like I was, you know, you just have to get used to it, get your temperature, right? Figure out what you need, you know, how many sheets you need, what you need to wear, what you shouldn't be wearing at night. Um, if you're stressing about something, do a brain dump before bed, you know, just do gosh, like a free for all writing. I don't know how else to explain a brain dump, but it's like a, a free for all writing for a few months or a few months, a few minutes <laughs> before you go to bed. And it just helps you get all the crap that's going on in your head out onto paper. Uh, this is really good, especially if you're a Monday through Friday employee or shift worker, especially if you're in healthcare right now under stress, it's really a good idea to just, just write freely. Just, I mean, literally just a couple minutes, just at least two minutes, write whatever the hell shit is on your, on your mind, get that out on that paper, settle into bed. You know, you're getting that off onto paper. Uh, you're getting all nice and cozy in bed. Then after you've done a brain dump, think about the, the top two to three things you need to do the next day. You know, especially if you're on a multiple day active, active adventure, think about, oh yeah, I need to, I need to go ahead and restock my snacks. Just write that down, write down whatever the heck you need to do. That's your priority the next day. Or if the next day you're working and you have some tasks on your mind, they're weighing you down subconsciously, whether you think that they are or not. So you might as well just get them down on the paper and then you can just worry about them less. Okay. So I can't say enough about that. I really, I tend to, oh God, I, 
yeah, it's hippy dippy and it does make you get into your emotions a little bit. Can also be journaling, but you know what? I don't even call it journaling with some of my clients because I know that some folks are just anti-journaling or anti-feelings. And I'm not trying to push that onto them, but I do want them to just explore that idea and explore how good it feels just to write some shit down and get it out. Uh, especially if your partner doesn't really want to hear it or you don't have a partner to talk to, you know, it's one of those situations where it just helps to, helps to get it out. Um, get the bed bedtime routine dialed, get the brain dump going, which can be included in that. Figure out what temperature you need. Usually the colder, the better. Uh, but we're not talking like 50 degrees. Usually the magic spot for most people is right around 67 degrees Fahrenheit. I have no idea how that translates to Celsius. I apologize to the Canadian and European listeners right now. Uh, I, I should probably put that in my notes going forward, but about 67 degrees Fahrenheit, if you want to do the conversion online. Um, and then you know, sometimes people find 65 degrees is a little bit more ideal. Some people find 70. Me personally, 67, you know, we bump everything down and just don't have anything run usually overnight. Um, and then I'm trying to read my notes here. <laughs> what, what the heck did I? Oh, yes, a mask. Okay. If you are a light sleeper, I'm a light sleeper. So if the dog barks, I'm hearing it, you know, and... And I'm saying this from, you know, personal experience right now, not, not our dog. Our dog is mute, um, unless someone comes to the door or, you know, is in the vicinity. But if you have neighborhood dogs that are barking incessantly at, you know, 5 in the morning or 3 in the morning, get some damn earplugs. I actually have a brand. It's from, um, what is it called? Happy Ears. It's a Swedish company and it's fantastic. They fit really well. You can buy a discovery pack. I'm going to link it in the show notes. And this is not a spawn. Like I'm totally not sponsored by them. I, you know, purchased them, them out of my own money. Actually, my partner did and she didn't like them. So I (laughs) inherited them. Uh, I know it kind of sounds kind of gross, but it didn't really fit her ears. So I actually really liked them and it comes with three different sizes. So small, medium, large. Um, and you can kind of test out like what size works really well for your ear canal and everything. Also, there's a mask. There's a mask that I use personally. I've been using the Manta mask, I think is the name. Um, I did not write that in my notes. I can't really remember. I think it's called Manta. I'll link it in the show notes though too. And I use the silk one because I'm bougie like that. Whatever. Hold it against me. But the silk actually helps with, you know, eye wrinkles. And it is hella dry here in Colorado. If you're in the, you know, the north, uh, the northwest, listen to me, in the, the southwest here in the States, it's dry. It's desert climate. We don't have a ton of humidity. We want to have our skin looking fresh and looking as young as possible, I'm sure, for as long as possible. So I've I've splurged and I got the silk mask. I will say even a flat silk mask really helps. Uh, the Manta mask, I only tried it because I did like the regular Manta mask. Um, I am, however, a side sleeper, so I will say masks over the eyes. It can feel uncomfortable and it can almost feel like it's going to pop your eyeball out. Uh, if you're a side sleeper. So just be careful and kind of explore. So I would maybe try a flat mask first, like one that doesn't have any eye pockets or anything like that and see what that feels like. Plus those are a lot cheaper, but I will say definitely invest in some earplugs, especially if you're in a, in doing an adventure race or ride, or if you're camping around other people, cause you know how rowdy people can get. Um, that is what I recommend because you want your environment to be cool, 
comfortable and you want it to be quiet and you want it to be dark. So those tips pretty much help cover all of those things for optimizing sleep as best as possible. The caveat here is if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have a hard time going back to sleep, chances are it could be because of stress, just because of your adventure that day before. Your body is still kind of acclimating to the stressors from that day's performance. So be gentle with yourself. Try to do some nice uh, deep breathing if you can. Look up Yoga Nidra on YouTube, you know, beforehand. That way you know what, what you're supposed to do if you wake up in the middle of the night and ways that you can use your breath to kind of calm down, down titrate your body, down titrate. Oh my God, that's such a pharmaceutical term. Um, you can kind of downregulate. That's the word I want. You can downregulate your body and your stressors a little bit more to help optimize sleep and help ease you back into sleep as best as possible. So try to find those ways that you can navigate if you, if you, should you wake up in the middle of the night, because I'm telling you sleep, if you can optimize the hell out of sleep, that's going to be really beneficial. Now, the next tip is also going to help you with sleep and performance, ultimately, especially on multiple day adventures, and that's nutrition, because I think nutrition is the next up in the, in the pyramid of, of wellness and health, whatever you want to call it. With nutrition, if you're having an all day adventure, don't bonk like I did in Spain, you know, do make sure that you're eating snacks regularly preferably every 45 to 60 minutes while you're on the bike, you know, aim for, I mean, at least 100 to 50, 150 calories at a minimum. I mean, that is like bare bones minimum in terms of snack, no matter what size you are. Honestly, you should be getting upwards of like 50% of the caloric burn that your wearable, wearable device is telling you. And that's like a range. So that's a pretty big range to go from 100 calories on up to maybe, you know, upwards of 600, 700 calories. But I'll be honest, 600, 700 calories to consume every hour, it's a lot of food. And sometimes people just can't handle that. So that is going to take some exploration on your own. So definitely explore what, how much food you're going to need every hour, every 45 minutes, make it in liquid form, make it in easy to chew, you know, snacks, So make sure that whatever snacks you have for the day, they're either chews um, or they're already cut up. I'm a real big fan of Enduro Bites. I usually cut them up into even smaller squares. Um, That way they're easy to kind of pop into my mouth, chew. I don't get tired of chewing. I don't get disgusted. I I don't have like a gag reflex. Sorry to bring that up. I know even saying that can sometimes be triggering for people, but... It is something that can happen, especially if you're tired and your fatigue is accumulating on the bike. You will have the tendency or the lack of desire to eat just because your body is, your body's stressed. Your body is tired. You may need the food, but you might not have any hunger. And I know that that probably sounds counterintuitive. Like Jen, you always say to eat when you're hungry and don't eat when you're not hungry. Yes, that is most of the time true when you're out here living life and you're not being, you know, forced to do a hundred mile bike ride multiple days in a row, or even a 40 mile bike ride multiple days in a row, or, you know, a lot of hiking multiple days in a row, whatever that adventure looks like for you. So please know that things are, things are dependent upon the context in which they're, they're in. Okay. So think of things in terms of the context always. 
things are going to change. It's going to evolve, you know, like that. Just know that certain situations in your life, especially when it does come to adventuring, are going to call for different things and different scenarios, especially when it comes to nutrition. When you're on the bike, again, at least 100, 150 calories. I mean, that is like bare effing minimum every hour. I would say like for me, again, 5'2", maybe about a buck 20, um, or 20 pounds rather, you know, I tend to prefer things right around like 200 calories, but that's just me. But I will say if that accumulates, I'm going to have to have a larger lunch. So 200 calories an hour probably isn't going to be very much for me. I'm usually going to need like close to 300 hours, but that's, or 300 calories rather, but that's because I, I just burn through things so, so quickly, uh, because of, uh, just my frame and how I'm built. You know, I, I have more muscle, so I, I just tend to utilize carbs more quickly. Uh, I am not a fat burning, you know, type of athlete and that's fine. That's, you know, I'm not striving for ketogenesis. So get your snacks dialed on the bike or while you're running or whatever. Everyone's going to be different. I don't really recommend doing pure carb snacks. I do recommend doing mostly carbohydrate snacks, especially if you're doing something incredibly intense. You know, if you're doing a lot of climbing, if it's just demanding of you, so on and so forth. Uh, what I do also recommend is like, yeah, maybe it's going to have a couple of grams or up to five grams of protein in there. Uh, maybe it's also going to have that much fat in there as well. You know, whatever really works for you. I know for me, generally speaking, every other hour or definitely at lunch, I'm always doing some sort of, you know, protein addition and things like that, just because you're going to want that for optimizing recovery. Okay. Um, now, after major bike rides or after your day of adventuring, you're definitely going to want to hit the hell out of some protein, some carbs, make it a balanced meal, add in some fat, and get some richly colored vegetables and fruits in there because it's really going to help with some nutrients, phytonutrients, things like that, that you're going to need to help really bolster or support recovery as best as possible. And I will say, you all know, I'm not real big on... on supplements and things like that. Um, plus I'm also not a registered dietitian. I will never, you'll never hear me say, Oh, you need to have this. No, I'm always going to say it's suggested and you should talk to your doctor or healthcare practitioner or your registered dietitian because I am not, it is not in my scope of practice to like administer or tell people to get, to take a vitamin. But I will say regarding vitamins, oh my God, not vitamins, vitamins, uh, my British is showing. Um, sorry, I just totally distracted myself now. I'm starting to sound like freaking Jillian Anderson here, uh, switching between British English and American English. Um, but you know, with the richly colored fruits and vegetables, that is going to really be advantageous again for you to support your recovery. But supplement wise, and I wouldn't even really consider this a supplement, a lot of the research recent in recent years is being, it's very positive for tart cherry, tart cherry juice. I'm having a hard time talking today. Still distracted with that Jillian Anderson reference. Uh, tart cherry juice, tart cherry juice, say that three times fast. Uh, the effect of that, especially concentrate, especially when it comes to endurance exercise performance, there are some meta-analyses that I've read over the years 
that has actually just been performed um, in the last couple of years, I think, for this one in particular that I'll go ahead and share in the show notes. <laughs> Hopefully I can find it. Uh, it's, it's very positive. And, you know, that I will say is one of those things. I do, I do often have a bottle of tart cherry concentrate or juice, pure juice, in the fridge at all times. Because especially if I'm starting to feel like higher stress levels, lower sleep, and I'm still wanting to train hard, oh, I will optimize the hell out of anything that I possibly can. And one of those is supplementing a little bit of my post-workout window with some tart cherry juice. And with a tart cherry juice, generally it's about six to eight ounces, if I'm not mistaken off the top of my head. Six to eight ounces is six to eight ounces is usually the preferred dose to help you get some of those polyphenols and, and things like that in, into your system, which helps with that oxidative stress and inflammation and, and muscle soreness and all of that stuff that you feel as an athlete, especially after, you know, um, endurance efforts and things like that. Now, now keep in mind that tart cherry concentrate and juice, it's been shown to improve your overall muscle, like, like functioning and then reducing any type of damage to the muscle and then helping with oxidative stress and inflammation and soreness and things like that in athletes. But I will say sometimes the evidence for acute treatment, so like shorter treatment for endurance performance benefit is it is sometimes limited i recommend trying it try it you know maybe think oh this probably won't do anything for me and just see see if it'll do anything for you you know uh at most you're going to be out a few bucks with from spending uh money on a bottle of tart jerry juice but it is something that i know has been really beneficial i mean even dr stacy sims has talked about it countless you know folks in Sports nutrition circles and, and sports nutrition researchers in particular have talked about it over the years. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's just worth trying and exploring yourself. You know, for me, I'm sensitive to anything. Like, I'm freaking sensitive to Tylenol, for crying out loud. So I always feel an acute response to things that my friends might not feel any response to. So keep in mind, N equals one. While studies are in existence and they are, you know, most often valid, um, please know that your experience is your experience. So take it what it is, you know, take it or leave it, however I just said that. And please keep in mind also that is coming from someone who worked in research for over 12 years. Uh, So I'm real big on that. The other thing too is you nitrates. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about nitrates. Um, I'm not saying you should supplement with nitrates. I am saying that you should supplement your diet with nitrate food, nitrate rich food, i.e. arugula, aka rocket. You know, uh, arugula and rocket, same, pretty much the same thing. Just depends on what side of the pond you're on. Um, really high in, in nitrates. You know, uh, another thing is like beet re- beetroot juice. That's also high in nitrates. Things that are, are found, sure, you know, they're found in supplements, but also, you know, arugula, it's very bioavailable, available, you know, when you're, when you're eating these things, which means it's very, it's very accessible for your body to, to digest and draw those nitrates into, the, into your body for recovery purposes, you know, for the purpose that, of which you're consuming. So what I'm saying, long story short, all of this is to say that after your 
workout endeavor or after your adventure that day, make sure that your meal has a good balance of a palm of protein or more of protein. Uh, you know, it has the richly colored vegetables and fruits, maybe even consider having a drink of tart cherry juice, maybe mix it with your Coca-Cola. I don't know. Actually, I kind of wonder what that's like now that I think about it. It wasn't even in my notes here. Uh, I just kind of said, said that, but now I'm kind of wondering what that would taste like. I will get back to you on that. Uh, I might make that an Instagram post because now I'm freaking curious. I don't have any Coca-Cola or else I'd try it right now. Um, but, you know, consider the tart cherry juice as an additive, as an additive, additive, uh, consider having some foods that are, you know, like arugula, you know, that are a little bit higher in nitrates and, or nitrite, God bless, I can't get my thing, nitrates, nitrites, whatever, (laughs) but it's technically nitrates. Um, and that's pretty much all I have for nutrition. Just try not to sit down and eat like a row of Oreos. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that might not be the best way to get in a full meal right after an endeavor. Now, if you need nutrients and calories fast, then yeah, you know, things like Coca-Cola, things like a few cookies, that can certainly help. You know, I'm a real big proponent of baked goods. I think baked goods after an adventure are fantastic because they're generally a good combination of protein, uh, excuse me, not protein, but they're a really good combination of carbs, fats. They're not a good source of protein. That's the only downside. So you want to optimize that recovery as quickly as possible. Get into that, get, get that protein in, you know, hopefully within an hour or two of your, your endeavor. Uh, but yeah, just eat is basically what I'm saying for step number two, all of that to say eat. So sleep, eat. And then the third tip mobilize, mobilize and massage. And no, I'm not saying, you know, go get a professional massage or anything like that. It's not necessary. You can actually do a lot of self-massage, you know, rolling out with a foam roller, things like that. I know that there's been a lot of wishy-washiness about foam rolling. And the main reason is because people will sit on the foam roller without intention and they will just sit on the foam roller for like five to 10 minutes, massaging the same quad, massaging the same leg. But it's, they, they have like, they're like loosey goosey on the foam roller. They're, they don't have their upper body well supported. They're just kind of rolling out and relaxing, you know, and they might as well just be smoking a cigar and drinking a scotch. Um, but no, all kidding aside, I think that foam rolling has kind of gotten a bad rap over recent years because A, people think that foam rolling foam rolling is a magical thing, like a unicorn or a white rabbit. And while it feels good, it's not necessarily magical. And B, the other reason is people are probably just foam rolling not wrong, but maybe incorrectly or not as not as efficiently, I think is a better way for me to me to say that right now. And the reason for that is because they're just kind of speeding through it or they're spending like 10 minutes on one spot on their body, you know, and I see this often, especially at CrossFit gym, uh, before WAD, you know, people just are, are kind of just rolling out and not really doing it with intention, uh, all the time. And I think if you have that intention and you're really focusing on the spots of your quad and you're really focusing on that spot on your hip and that back, you know, area, and you're really just being intentional and you're spending a nice concentrated one, maybe no more than two to three minutes at a time per area, 
you're going to get more out of it. That's all I'm trying to say. So just have some sort of intention behind your mobility and massage routine, especially when it comes to foam rolling. Self-massage. I'm a real big fan of like lacrosse balls for a harder ball. I also have a like a harder or softer rubber yoga ball, which is fantastic. And then I have a foam ball that's called the Orb. And you can get it at REI and a variety of other stores um, online, of course. Orb is nice just because it does have some give. The only problem with the Orb is it's larger. So it is certainly larger, much, much larger than a lacrosse ball. Uh, I'd say it's like five times larger than a, than a lacrosse ball, but the lacrosse ball can help you get in between like shoulder blades, you know, get into that hip pocket area that might be bothering you, especially if you're a cyclist, like your TFL and things like that. IT band, you know, uh, just doing some sort of stretching is really going to be good as well. And, you know, of course I can't really tell you necessarily what to do because it all depends on what is kind of aching you and what is ailing you. What are, where are you feeling it? For me, I'll use myself as an example because it, I, I see a lot of the same things with clients that I work with over the years. And that's like your TFL, your hip, your hip pocket area can be really lit, especially as a cyclist. Um, hip flexors, those are usually an issue. Low back and then upper back right in between the shoulder blades. So like rhomboid area and stuff like that. Those are the areas that I think are really good to get in a lacrosse ball if you can. If you need to soften it a little bit, just put a towel, excuse me, a towel or a yoga mat in between your your body and the lacrosse ball and that can cushion it just ever so slightly. Make it a little bit more enjoyable and it will allow your muscle to just relax and ease into that, okay? So think about those areas. But then also keep in mind that those areas that might be bothering you, that might not actually be the the location of the actual issue, the root cause of the issue. So while you're maybe having a hip pain, the root cause of the issue could be a mobility issue in your knee or your ankle or upstream, you know, from your hip. So keep that in mind. I am a big proponent, as you know, because I say it time and time again in every episode where I I do talk about body ailments. Find yourself a a physical therapist in your area. Get a referral to them if you can and if you need to. uh, Or pay out of pocket for the individual if you you can and that's within your your scope or within your, uh, your budget. See them. Get a proper diagnosis from them. And then make sure you do the exercises. Because again, like I said earlier today, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're not implementing this, it's useless knowledge. Like, it's... You're not, you're not taking action on the knowledge that you have. So literally you have this knowledge in your head. You're not doing anything about it. So please know that there is a huge difference between knowing what the hell to do and actually doing it. And I don't mean to sound like such a, an a-hole, uh, about that, but it just, it has to be said because I think a lot of times people will hire a coach or they'll go and see PT, but then they're not seeing any improvement. And then you ask them, well, you're doing the exercises that have been assigned to you. Are you doing, you know, the PT exercises? Are you doing the therapy protocol? No, no, no. And that's going to really prevent and limit your progression as an athlete and as a human and just how, how you're going to feel in general overall. Okay. Um, but yeah, hip flexors, super common, you know, look up couch stretches. I think I might actually have one on my YouTube channel. Uh, if I do, I'll, I'll link it. But, you know, figure out some stretches for the hip area. Figure out some stretches for the the low back, upper back. Get used to putting your body 
through the full range of motion dependent upon, of course, what you're already dealing with right now. If you've had a hip replacement or if you have a labral tear in your hip or in your shoulder, labrums are everywhere, uh, then be mindful of what you're mobilizing and what your range of motion is given those those injuries or things that you're working with. Again, you're not broken, but they're just things to be to be mindful of. Okay, friends? All right. Well, this is yet another podcast episode with me having like three notes reading from it and just talking about it. Like it's very minimal reading uh, and just me talking about it. So as you can see, I love talking about this stuff. Uh, in summary, how to recover from your multiple active days. First step, sleep. Optimize the hell out of it. Second step, nutrition. Again, eat regularly through that active day. Try to eat every 45 minutes to 60 minutes. Find the foods that that you're able to digest while on the bike or while running or things like that. And that those foods can look different sport to sport. I know they do for me. Um, optimize the heck out of your post-workout meal. Like whatever that, that meal is right after your adventure that day, make sure you're getting the protein in. Make sure you're getting some colorful fruits and vegetables in. Get carbs in. Get some fats in. Carbs are not meant to be, you're not, you shouldn't be scared of carbs or fats. They're, they're good. They're the building blocks of, of you. And consider some tart cherry juice or some like arugula or beetroot juice, things like that. And just kind of play around with it. Just see. And again, I'm not saying go out and get some supplements, but do supplement your meal with foods that are rich in those products or rich in those things. Okay. And then third, last but not least, mobility and massage you know, do some self-massage, do some intentional foam rolling, utilize a lacrosse ball, utilize a yoga ball, get some stretching in, get, work that range of motion in your body. And that will really help you feel so much better before you get into bed. And actually, you know, before, before I leave you today, one thing to explore to help you come down uh, especially before bed, and to really help you come down from a full day of adventure, look up some parasympathetic breathing on YouTube. Just you know, find a video. Uh, I know John, Dr. John Rustin has one. I'll link it in the show notes. And this is something I personally prescribe to 100% of my clients. Honestly, uh, there might be a couple I don't have it assigned to. Chill out. After you've worked so hard, your stress is going to be elevated. Your body has been, you know, through the ringer. You've really challenged your body. Give your body some love. Even if you feel like you're great, you feel like you're on top of the world. I don't care. Give yourself some, some love and really bring down your body into that parasympathetic state, into that rest and digest state, uh, because it's such a key place to be because I think especially with work and a lot of the stressors in the in the world right now with news and you know politics and all that other stuff on top of work I think sometimes we can be in in a little bit more of a sympathetic state and we really want you to be in a parasympathetic state especially before bed all right and this is especially true if you do watch Netflix or you know watch TV and maybe you're watching like a violent show before bed or something that is going to kind of amp you up, you know, maybe a sporting show or like, you know, for me, like watching so- uh, football, no, wait, soccer, but you know, that actual football, actual 
foot hitting the ball sport, you know, so I call it football. Um, but yeah, if you're watching soccer before bed or something like that, then yeah, it's going to kind of jazz you up before bed and put you in a not ideal state right before bed. So get some parasympathetic breathing in. Uh, all right. That's all I have for you, friends, man. I, holy shit. I can't believe it's 43 minutes, 43 minutes of this. And I feel like I just kind of scraped the top and narrowed it down to the three most important things that you could really focus on. Hopefully I, I gave you some good nuggets to walk away from this episode and utilize the next time that you have several days in a row of adventuring and fun and bikes and, and running and whatever the heck it is for you, right? If you have any questions, let me know. Email Jen at my uh, <laughs> Jen at shifthumanperformance.com. I forgot my email. Um, please subscribe to the podcast episodes if you haven't already. That is what helps me get to more people and help helps me help more people. And stay tuned, friends, too, because I will start interviewing folks again. I think I've figured out the interviewing program glitch that I've had that coincided with my Apple updates and things like that. So I've been dying to interview people because I have so many people in the industry that I want to interview to get you more information and to get you exposed to more really awesome people who are out there who are also spreading some really good knowledge and really good things. Uh, Anyways, friends, that is all I have for you today. Really, I would appreciate your subscription, your like, your comment, your rating, your review. I just love y'all. And I hope that these tips today help you figure out your recovery from all of your adventures. All right. Have a beautiful day, friends. Bye.